Right, gang? You like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 234, episode 5 of Dear Daily Zeitgeist! Yeah! It's a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Friday, April 29th, 2022, which of course means it's National Hairball Awareness Day. Mm-hmm. To, you gotta oh, you be can. aware of the hairballs for the health of your uh, animal friends. Mm-hmm. You know, that. maybe groom if your if your cat's having coughing up a lot of hairballs, help out with the grooming. I don't know. My cats mm. luckily don't have that issue. Um, but yeah, bring awareness because it so causes blockages. Yeah, these are not like pellets. Like a an owl coughs up after swallowing a uh, rabbit hole. This is these are from <laughs> the grooming process. Yeah, and then you take because you know cats groom themselves and then they ingest their hair and they either pass it you know naturally or they cough them up as we all you know see coughing up a hairball. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that it could be it could get so bad. That's that's I'm, I'm blessed with cats who don't have this issue. So but mm. yeah, please be aware, folks. <laughs> Hairballs are out there. You got the you got the short hair ones, right? Like the doctor. No, they're ones. fucking. Their coats are long as fuck. Oh, they are. Wow. Oh my god, you see their tails look like fucking you thought a marching band was coming through with these plumes. That's right. That's up right. in the air. <laughs> um all right, well I'm Jack O'Brien, aka I'll bite you with my vampire straws. 
You've never bled this fast before. All I wanted was to leave two holes. But you, you stay ached me. That is courtesy of TDZ Burner. Um, it's about the physiology of vampire teeth uh, and, and the fact that I, I believed for a long time, still kind of believe that their teeth suck the blood through them. Uh, mm-hmm. Like reverse poisonous snake bites. Um, yeah. Miles and I both believe that. Um, yeah. Hey, who's Miles? Uh, well, me? Oh, me? I'm thrilled to be joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. If you having crucial problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 88 keys, but ain't playing one. Hit me. <laughs> uh, okay. Yesterday's guest, Nicole Thurman, was talking about how she was on a cruise ship. I saw a piano show called 88 Keys, and the dude who was supposedly playing the piano was pantomiming the whole time with a backing track. Easier to staff a position of guy who totally. can pretend to I'm play. not hating on that. I just I just love that. Like, I would yeah. love to do a show because, like, I feel like I could fake play a lot of instruments. Like, I can play a couple instruments, but, like... I would love to pick up like a flute and just do a fake flute solo, hop on piano, do on that. I feel like I could sell it. Yeah. No, I mean, just watching you type, you were just finishing an email before we started recording and it was like watching, you know, somebody just jam out on the, on the piano. You had your (laughs) eyes closed. You were standing up using your butt at times, elbows. uh, Exactly. I'm like, they call me the the Jimi Hendrix of Mavis Beacons. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat. Oh, yeah. And by the way, uh, apologies for anybody who got uh, some audio issues on oh, yeah. yesterday's episode up top. Uh, they have been fixed if you want to go re-download that. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah. Our it's a good guest's one. audio just was not there for like the first 10 minutes. Um, it's back, though. We're good. We're back. And we're, we're thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the extremely talented podcast host and digital activist who you can hear on her brilliant podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet. It's yeah. Bridget Todd. Bridget! Oh, I love the warm welcome. Thank you for having me. Miles, I have to tell you, you, I once went to a Britney Spears concert where when she played the song Every Time, she was sitting at a piano, but then yes. and, and there was piano music playing yes. as if she was playing it, and then she... Got up from the piano and the piano music continued. <laughs> yes. Good. We don't care. You know, we don't care. It's a show. You know, oh, why not? That's, that's a, I love when an artist wants to sit at a piano. Like Axl Rose used to love to do that. I think he did yeah. play like every once in a while, but it was, it was important for him to open up the MTV Video Music Awards performance sitting at a piano, you know, that Ooh. was like, oh, you thought I was just a rock star. No, 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 no. Oh, uh, you know really, what? I'm kind of a, I'm a musician, uh, a composer, I guess you could say. Well, it, and just playing nice. It brings the gravitas. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Who are they emulating? Is that like an old Sinatra thing or like Tony Bennett? You know, that because that like the thing where it's like, all right, we had enough of that. L- enough of rock and roll. Let's get <laughs> let's get over to this piano really quick. You know what I mean? Spotlight. Because that's like a trope, right? For like music concerts. And I know it obviously starts somewhere. Like, is it Elvis? Mm. Did Elvis I ever? Mean, I've, I've never seen Elvis at a piano, but I, I'm not a huge Elvis fan. So. Oh, yeah, man. Um, That most famous one he did right before he died. Oh, uh, I, I don't like to acknowledge that he died. I actually don't believe he did. So, um, <laughs> okay, my bad, my bad, my bad. Yeah, forgot about that. Men in Black, Men in Black. <laughs> 
But yeah, um, he plays. Uh, yeah, he plays piano. You didn't know that. Mm-mm. I mean, what's that track he played? Right, like one of the last con- concerts he did. It's like I, a really I, iconic performance, and everyone's like, "Oh shit!" This makes me think of it. Elton John Unchained Billy Melody. Joel. Okay, Unchained Melody. Okay. Oh yeah. And he's like, you know, you could tell he looks he looks unhealthy as fuck in that mm-hmm. show. This is the last mm-hmm. concert, and he's ripping the piano. Damn. All right, Elvis. <laughs> um, I mean that that does seem to play against type, right? You you typically want to see the whole the whole Elvis. You want to see the hips swiveling, the the honey in the hips, and uh, yeah, that, that wasn't happening in those days. So I mean, it does give you a chance to sit down. Uh, when you're maybe a rock star who, who's past their physical prime, you know, and just be like yeah. chilling. Um, yeah, I just want to, I just, again, I think I, I do respect the mid concert piano break. Yeah. I, th- I think Elton John, Stevie wonder, like those are the people who I think of when I think of somebody at a concert, just destroying the room from behind a piano. Oh but, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because we think I think the the fun part is when someone who's not known for playing keys is like, yeah, let's take yeah. it to the keys real quick. And yeah, like, what yeah. the fuck? I thought you did it. Okay. But Britney, Brit, Britney, I, I love the Britney. <laughs> that that's an amazing. Yeah. Anecdote. Yeah. It was one of the best concerts of my entire life. I mean, how old were you? <laughs> oh, th- I was fully in my twenties. Like, oh, this was like, like yeah, this yeah, wasn't yeah. that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> was this Vegas? <laughs> Was it the Vegas show? It was Vegas. Wow. And, and, and I, looking back, you know, I know those shows. Now we know that, like, perhaps those shows were not yeah. as pleasant for her as they were for right. me and the audience. But, whew, she is a Why performer. Why does that red dot keep appearing on her forehead? <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw this video of her where... Um, she was performing in Vegas and she kept talking about how she was sick and she didn't feel well. And then you watch the documentary Framing Britney Spears and she talks about how they forced her to perform when sick. And right. those concerts have a whole new, like, very grim meaning now. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Not to bum everybody out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, let, let's just, re, you know, put some respect on on her name and what the what she sacrificed so you guys could see the best concerts you've ever seen. That's exactly. why she had to play the fake piano. OK, Bridget, <laughs> she would have played the real one, really played any other day, but she was sick. She was doing the flu game. <laughs> yeah, maybe you saw her flu game, like her greatest yeah. work. One of the greatest out. ones. Yeah. Yeah. She was, I, was, I was at my sickest. Anyway. Um. All right. Well, Bridget, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of things we're talking about. Um, We are going to talk about uh, the Elon Musk shit in the context of, you know, online harassment of marginalized groups of people. Um, And just generally, it feels like Elon Musk has replaced Trump as the thing that just takes up all the oxygen and everyone's like, so fucking tired of hearing people talk about Elon Musk. Right. And then, wait, what and do you say? you have the fan people. Yeah. 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 The then you have the super fans. Um, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Russia's uh, neo-Nazi raid on like what, what they claimed were neo-Nazi journalists. Uh, they're the... It, it appears to be a wildly unconvincing frame job. Um, yeah. And so I just want to talk about that general trend of like not even trying very hard when you lie um, and, yeah. you know, draw draw a line between that. Uh, Trump, even Elon with like Musk. A, like with a Simpsons-esque, like literal 
mishap with trying to frame someone. Or yeah, like you literally truly. got okay. Wow, uh, not dealing with our A team here. Yeah, got to get those sim sim cards. Oh, whoops. Um, did did you see that they? <laughs> More on that. <laughs> yeah, more on that in a moment. <laughs> just wait. Uh, just we're, wait. We'll, we'll dip back into the NPR uh, well to just look a little bit more into the history and to the ASMR of it all. Um, and we might even get to some Broadway shows. Uh, all of that, plenty more. But first, Bridget, we do like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history? A question that I Googled recently is, who closes the bus door when the bus driver gets off the bus? Oh, my God. Think about it. I saw this TikTok that asked that question, and I thought... This podcast is over. <laughs> for, I, for I need medical care. purposes, this podcast is over. That's all we're talking about. You know? I still haven't um, gotten to the bottom of it. If anyone knows oh how, bu- how bus doors get opened and closed when the driver is off the bus, I would love to know. Yeah. Is it a timer? You know what I mean? Like when you're setting an alarm at like, you know, if you close up at like a, you know, retail gig, you're like, all right, we're going to bring the gate down. Let me hit the alarm. Beep, beep, pop, beep, boop, beep, pop. And you got like 30 seconds. And it's like, mm. I'd imagine it's much simpler. Like they're like, there's a nah. fucking lever, you know, like and a hook or you can just pull this one part and it closes. But I like the philosophical question. Yeah. Who closes the door for the bus driver? The super producer Chris, who's filling in for super producer Justin, has suggested they do it through the window. Um, oh. I'm not sure. Like I, that was that was the first thing that popped into my mind. And like there, there's that like smallish oh. window to the oh. left yeah, of the, the driver's, driver's side. And like the I like the first thing I picture when you ask the question was them like sliding out like one limb at a time of that, just being like, Dah. and that's right. just like you you go to the bus depot and see this horrible shameful uh, event. Um, but Chris, if you have any proof of that, or if that was just an idle suggestion, uh, let us know. Um, I mean, that's by far the the simplest and most logical <laughs> way to do it. Like, yeah, I open the door and the button that's right there. I just go on the other side of the bus. I press that and then I just close the window. They then close how do you it through it? the window. I was picturing them get like leaving through the window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, like climbing out right. through so you the have window. to be a They're tiny like, that's bus my shift. <laughs> yeah. Like, bring shit. the air brakes down and then, all right, slide out this fucking door. <laughs> 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 Going through the emergency exit at the back of the school bus. These are, these are what I was thinking of. But school yeah. bus windows, I feel like, are, are kind of small. Like, I did, they're, high, they're high up there and small they would have to like reach all the way to that big swingy thing uh, i haven't been on a school bus in many years uh but that, that's how my school bus worked i mean um, there's i lit i went i went to youtube i said bus driver closing bus door and there's a video called who closes the school bus door when the driver gets off mm. and, and then i just but we're not gonna watch it um th- this I mean, is one of those nah. things I, li- I like having mystery in the world so you don't um, you don't yeah. want to know? No, I mean I I could I could make this terrible for us, but this guy on TikTok's just showing us. All right, I'm gonna let Mr. Neil demonstrate this one because he drives a bus with air brakes. So the bus driver, it's closed. We're at a bus depot. They want to know how do you close the door with air when you get off the bus? 
you flip this switch here, it takes the pressure off. Okay. Oh, man. Uh, that sucks. All right, let's Boo. see. Fake news. How do you close it? I want parkour. <laughs> I want parkour long sticks or some yeah. shit. Not fucking, oh, yeah, just release the pressure, yeah. and then there's no more pneumatic pressure in the door, and then you can just close it like that. Man, fuck that. Man, that guy looked like an idiot. I don't think he's telling the truth. <laughs> he didn't know what he was talking about. Of course, I'm thinking it's something so complicated, and it's like, oh, the simple answer, it's just a switch. Mm. Yeah. Damn it. I'm like so mad. I'm about to become a Republican. I'm like, that guy's a groomer. I mean, obviously, based on that answer. I'm like, why am I so angry about this answer? I think, Bridget, because you truly just... I my imagination went off in a million directions the second yeah. you said it, and I think I get I'm, it. I, I've gone yeah. through the same. I went through the same process. This is why I googled yeah. it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, what is something I'm you think right. is overrated besides that guy's answer, which was bullshit and a lie? Yeah, uh, well, besides that guy's answer that was bullshit and a lie, I have to say <laughs> Tesla's. I know we're going to talk about Elon Musk, but yeah. I felt this way even before I knew what a crummy person he is so i think teslas are overrated it's like they look weird every time i hear about them i'm like oh they sound really fussy i think mm. they're overrated and also they're made by mm. elon musk so all right yeah. so this is a podcast where we use uh harsh language sometimes but i you can't use the word crummy i mean that's too much <laughs> yeah it's too much to use about wow. elon musk <laughs> Um, let's actually maybe sure let's take a swear. break really quick to sort of sort this out. Um, <laughs> so we that, can sort this out. <laughs> uh, yeah. What is it? Tesla's. All the f- fucking lithium they need to mine to put in those batteries. I mean, there's so much. There there are so many things. Like, granted, yeah, the emissions are very different, but like the process to get there is a very. Uh, chaotic uh, resource extraction process. Yes. Uh, And I once read this absolutely wild thing on Twitter where someone was reporting that whatever the new version of Tesla is um, had this glitch where I don't know. I'm not even sure if it was a glitch, but it would uh, instead of stopping at stop signs, it would like roll through them at five to 13 miles an hour. And I was like, well, that's obviously problematic because you could get pulled over. And all of these Elon Musk stands were like, it's actually safer sometimes to do a rolling stop. And I, and I was like, am I, am I taking crazy pills? Like, if, if a cop sees you roll through a stop sign, they can pull you over. It doesn't matter if Elon Musk thinks it's safe or not. Like, it, the, we were, the argument became so strange where I was like, well, stopping is going zero miles per hour. If something's yeah. going more than that, you have not stopped. Am I yeah. right? Right. No, and also, I, like, when I'm coming to a stop sign and the car that I'm exchanging a stop with, like, we're deciding who's going to go first, like, the thing that tells you, okay, that is a full stop, they just hit the stop, is when it, like, stops and, like, you see it, like, you know, you can't do a rolling stop there. Like, right. that, that's very dangerous. Like, you have to, that, I feel like you have to navigate that, like your yourself i don't know man i stop you know why i take a full stop because that's a favorite bullshit reason to get pulled over absolutely over i've been pulled over so many times for like the most like minute like you know just like a fraction of a full stop when everybody's blowing i mean people don't fucking stop fully if that stop signs let's be real like especially in la like people just it's like slowing down until you figure out who you don't have to hit and keep going right that's why i really i'm like mm, no let's make sure they can see that shit like pop like i stop right yeah, and yeah, then yeah, fucking the go yeah yeah 
Uh, my brother is a lawyer, and he once told me that if you're ever driving in a situation where you might not want to have an interaction with the police, we will say, uh, mm-hmm. and you stop at a stop sign, make sure that you can feel the car go backward a little bit. Yeah, right. And that, that's yeah, the exactly. thing. Yeah, that's the, the pop. tell. The pop, yeah. yeah. Right, or whatever. You're like, no, because you know if you just slow and you're like, eh, it's good enough, and we're going. No, 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 no. And didn't Get he that. almost like try and T- take somebody down who was like revealing the environmental impact of Tesla. I like think one the, of his own employees. Yeah, yeah, one of his employees. He like waged free a speech, campaign though, free against speech, free them, speech, right? Such free a speech, champion free of free speech. Yeah, free speech, our free number speech. one advocate. I'm glad he's going to. Own well, the you don't, you don't actually, talk. you actually can't expect our free speech if you're in the capacity of an employee and you sign a contract and then you're doing disparaging <laughs> things about your company. Okay, I'm sorry. So you can apply this energy right when you get booted off of a fucking uh, non-public ut- utility website like Twitter. Right. You get you get that part right. So well, well. Anyway, uh, what is uh, what's something you think <laughs> is underrated, Bridget? Oh, something I personally experienced as underrated this week was. Going to a movie matinee show on a weekday by yourself. If you've Ooh. ever, if you're just like, I'm done with this day, Chef's I need kiss. a fucking break, go to a movie. I went to a movie by myself randomly at 3 p.m. on Tuesday. Highly recommend. Nobody else was in there. I had the whole theater to myself. Highly recommend. What did you see? You saw oh, Sonic 2, right? Oh, I, that was, it was a tough decision. I saw mm. everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes. Oh, it was, have y'all seen it? And, yeah. Yeah. And so you were in there solo? Good. Yes. All Ooh. right, Han. It was <laughs> something else. I definitely recommend it. If you haven't seen it, definitely see it. Yeah. 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 Oh no. I, yeah. I, man, it's funny that you were mentioning that too, because before I was waiting for, uh, my wife, uh, her majesty to, to get back in town <laughs> to watch it together. And part of me was like, man, I just need to. Do, my, do, do me and just go like Saturday morning, like at 11 a.m., like the early style matinee. Hell yeah. Um, but I went to the theater, but I'm, oh man, that would have been wild to see that by myself. Yeah, yeah it was, I, I highly recommend. Yeah. The, the audience, like, is for, it was a big part of the experience because people really fucking love that movie. And I, I don't know. I appreciate well, that. I haven't been to a movie that resonated that much with an audience. Uh, so I'm going to time. see it again on Friday night to see if the experience okay. is different in a full yeah. theater. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. It's, so it's like what it's I do with my time. <laughs> Go see the yeah. same movie twice in one week. <laughs> there are also moments too where like watching it when you, you'll, I, I was laughing at certain things where I was the only person in the theater who thought something was funny. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, <laughs> and like everyone's quiet. And I'm like, what? The like, f- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> COVID. No, I, then I just <laughs> then I looked over and then I was like, I, was I the only person who thought that shit was funny? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, I think that's the beauty of the film; like it resonates in so many different ways for different people at different times. Mm. Yeah, so I think that's TDZ's uh, front runner for best movie of the year already. Like oh, we, yeah. we we fuck with that when, movie. When you were gone, Jacques, when he was guest hosting, he told me it was the best film he'd seen in 15 years. Yeah, what? I saw him write that on Twitter. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he, the way his face changed when I asked him, I was like, oh, did you see? He goes, yes, it was the best film I've seen in 15 years. I was like, oh, this, okay, we got something here. Hmm. Um, I don't know what, I didn't bother to ask what came out 15 years ago, but <laughs> I just like that window of time. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. 
Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course. And... Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise. The sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful Beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like the the stuff that we were dealing with when Trump was in office and during the rise of Trump where everything was Trump, he just took up all the oxygen like I'm starting to see that shit. I'm starting to feel that shit with Elon Musk. Like, uh, like just the trying to keep up with like his purchase of Twitter is like yesterday when I went to bed, everyone was like, nah, he's not actually going to be able to do it because of Tesla. And then like the day before that, it was like, he's definitely going to do it. And now like I wake up to like people in my fucking timeline being like, you got to admit this joke by Elon Musk about buying Twitter is pretty funny. And it, just fucking sucks it's it's awful i mean god 
No, just like it, like IRL physical space shit posting. Yeah. Being like <laughs> I might buy Twitter. And then, like, yeah. all the cause all this fucking commotion, and people are like, Flood "Yeah, it's a sick, sick ass joke, dude. Sick joke." Yeah, mm, it looks already looked pretty pretty terrible. Like, even in the last couple of days, with him like basically putting the focus on some female executives at the company to try and oust them or make it the situation untenable, and a lot of people are like, "Is he trying to wiggle out of this uh, buyout clause? Because he'd have to pay people." Um, and if they quit before they're under different circumstances, that might change the the financial aspects of it. But either way, like it, it, nothing about it looks, uh, honorable. Yeah. yeah. And, and Miles, I'm so glad that you brought that up. The, um, w- employee, one of the employees that he's been, I guess on a, on a harassment campaign against, uh, this week is a prominent woman of color at, at Twitter. And her role is really working to make Twitter less hospitable to things like online harassment, disinformation, conspiracy theories, and extremists and, you know, hate speech. And so I think that in attacking her specifically, he's doing two really clear and important things. One, he's attacking a woman of color because he knows that women of color online are disproportionately targets for things like harassment. And so I think that he is Mm -hmm. signaling to his followers, like, harass this person. And two, I think he's trying to make clear this is what you can expect from how I will run Twitter. I will, you know, I will, ush- he's already showing us who he is. He is someone who is okay harassing women of color for just trying to do their jobs. And so mm-hmm. um, I think those are two really important things that we need to be super clear on. I also, I kind of agree with you. I think that it it seems before that the ink is even dry on this deal, he is behaving in these ways that all, that, that would make a, a person observing question like are you trying to tank this deal what is going on yeah yeah i mean so like there's this reuters kind of opinion piece that's basically saying like he's not gonna do it he always does shit like this where he you know claims uh he's going to i I think he said that he was gonna uh set up a peanut brittle brittle company to take on Warren Buffett's iconic, uh, seize candies. Then he changed his mind. Um, and like this kind of opinion piece on Reuters is like, so this is just more of the same shit. He also said he That's was going to like cure world hunger. Um, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he hasn't done that. Uh, and, but I, I really think like we we need to recognize that there's a commonality between him and Trump, not just in the way that they're dominating, but also in the way that like this is the number one currency for them is attention, and like the this has given him more attention than he's ever had, I guess, which is shocking because he's already had like way too much, um, and like he's not he's not gonna let this go just because like you know, people tell him it's a bad financial move. Like this is, uh, has just made him like even more central to the conversations people are having. And he does not give a fuck if like those conversations are critical. It feels like, um, but yeah. Well, yeah. And I, and I think he's in some way he's found a way to, or not some way he's found a way to like stifle the conversation. Just like he can have his hand, you know, his finger on the, on the button. And I'm sure that there's another element of that that must feel good to him for someone who like probably he's not, he's not stupid. He knows there are people who talk shit about him, 
but I'm sure that there's something about that in the back of his mind too. It's like, oh, wouldn't that be good? Because then I can show them what's up too if I run Twitter. There's just a lot of you can tell that there isn't. There's really nothing admirable about him wanting to buy it. And we were talking about this in yesterday's episode. It's like it's not even clear what he's trying to do, even if it were a business. Like how he's even trying to run it, even if it were a business. So it has a lot of the trappings of like impulsive, uh, you know, self-centered person thinking that this is a good idea without fully thinking it through. But also it does appeal to him because he he I think he really feels super powerful to even have this thing happening around where people are like, oh, my God, Elon Musk is going to buy Twitter. And that for sure is also very energizing for him. I'm like, I do think that an underrated like detail is that he seems to be like openly a racist and white supremacist, like not like his company had to pay $136 million to a black man who was racially harassed, uh, at his, uh, uh, like while working at Tesla. Um, but also this detail Bridget that you pointed out in your most recent episode of there are no girls on the internet that black workers report being like multiple workers for Tesla report being moved to the back of the floor when he would visit, like to keep them out of his sight like that. Like we know what the fuck is going on here. Like this is not, he he's not quiet about it. Clearly people, if that's like a policy that happens. Yeah. And there was something so heartbreaking about that, that detail, because I think that you're right. Like I have no, you know, I've never met the Mark Zuckerberg's or the, uh, Bezos's of the world, but there's something so, and, and I'm sure they're awful. I, I have a lot of complaints about the way they run their platforms. However, there is something so visceral about that detail and so personal where it's like, oh, when he visits the, the, visits the factory, y'all have to go. You need to physically hide because he can't even stand to look at your black faces. There's something so and then hearing this, not just from one worker, but multiple workers. And I also I wanted to um, mention the lawsuit that you mentioned in that lawsuit where that former black staffer of Tesla was awarded millions of dollars. Tesla tried to have the courts lower the amount of money they had to pay him to, I think, like $700,000. And the courts basically were like, no, you need to pay him millions of dollars for what you have done. This person talks about how he suffered uh, post-traumatic stress disorder um, from the disgusting racist treatment that he suffered while working at Tesla. So, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, when someone shows you who they are, it's important to believe them. And I feel like Elon Musk goes out of his way to make it very clear who he is. And so people who ignore this are really making a choice to ignore what I feel is so plain in front of all of us. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. And like to that, I, I I don't know if you were out, Jack, when we were talking about that lawsuit, but, you know, just the, the way that the, a lot, there, there are many lawsuits, there are more than one, there are more than, yeah. one, than a few black employees of Tesla who have been like, it's awful. Like even like to the thing of like working out of sight, like they were referring to parts of the plant as like the slave ship or mm-hmm. the dark side to for, like that. That's the culture that. They're like, that's just how they're allowed to cook over there. And they even, I remember once that, uh, that lawsuit, you know, was, was being decided, they put out a blog post that they're like, we've had over like, we've, you know, the, uh, department of fair, of, of a fair employment has investigated like fifth us 50 times and has never found anything. Wow. wow 50 times, huh? Only, only they only had to come by here 50 times. <laughs> like, and also it, in, in America where, uh, 
yeah, the, I'm, yeah. I'm just guessing they're not gonna go out of their way to slap the hand of the billionaire uh w- oh and and, and 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 like yeah. the agency was also like that's not precisely true um, <laughs> but okay like <laughs> that's why we're here because they we, we found things right yeah and then also you know not only have people taken them to court for racist treatment also sexist harassment at the workplace. Right. And, you know, when you look at the way that Elon Musk tweets, which is often very kind of juvenile sexism, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of stuff that maybe you, you might have thought was funny when you were in ninth grade trying to be edgy. Um, I have no trouble believing that this is a top-down culture problem, that it's, you know, not only is it per- a pervasive, racist, sexist culture, but that that vibe comes from the top and that means Elon Musk. I think that seems very clear to me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's I mean, that that's always the, that's what's bringing all the creeps to the yard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is Elon. And they see what he does. They're like, Oh, I want to move like that. And I can, and you can already tell based on what he thinks is appropriate or inappropriate. You're like, perfect. This person is going to tell me I'm being sexist or racist. They know I'm joking. So this is perfect. Yeah. And I, I can totally see how, you know, there's a, probably a, a real interesting mixture of people who are really um, intrigued by the prospect of working on like really cool technology and, and like, you know, furthering their own careers in science and things like that. And then you mix that with other people who are like completely like, I don't know, dude, I like the fucking vibes here. And they're kind right. of weird. <laughs> like, yeah. Ugh. I think there's like some like the the tweet that I that somebody in my timeline was like gotta admit it's funny was just him being like now next I'm gonna buy Coca Cola and put the cocaine back and I do not have to admit that's funny that's just a pop culture reference um, <laughs> it, but I do think it gets at like this appeal that he has to people that it's it's like the Adam Sandler movie Big Daddy where like an idiot won. A, a bunch of money and like does that's Mr. Deeds. That's Mr. Deeds. That's first Mr. Of all. Deeds. It's Mr. Does, Deeds. And, and, and well, I've never don't seen start, don't Mr. Start, Deeds. Don't start. Big Daddy. Uh-huh. He adopts. A, he adopts a kid and he becomes Cole a, and Dylan Sprouse. Young yes. Cole and Dylan Sprouse. <laughs> he he also won a bunch of money from a like getting hit by a cab. I think oh, his, that's his true. foot that's got true. ran so over by a cab. Work. Yeah. Okay. So, but he I, still I works that toll booth job. Mr. Deeds, but <laughs> he's like that. I, I think that's like part of the thing is like, this guy's an idiot, but he has like all this money. Uh, he's winning. Right. We well, can't say shit to him now. Um, and it's just, I don't know. It's truly a bummer. Um, it's shitty Billy Madison. Yeah, shitty Billy Madison. <laughs> shitty Billy Madison bought Twitter. Um, and there's like the stuff that we're hoping will happen is not well. The government will step in and like make this a utility, or you know, recognize that this person is like a danger to um, freedom. Uh, <laughs> and it, instead it's like, we hope he decides not to do it cause it's a bad investment. Like that's where we are. And it just feels right. very, I don't know. It, it reminded me of this other like Russia story from last week where, uh, Russia's federal security service, uh, arrested a group of six Russian neo-Nazis who were plotting to assassinate a Russian state TV talk show host. Um, but like the, the neo-Nazis in question were just like journalists critical of 
the state TV, uh, the person they were supposedly trying to assassinate uh, had once praised Hitler as a very brave man uh, and even produced an admiring documentary about Mussolini. Um, So like it's, it's a Nazi who they were supposedly trying to assassinate. And like, clearly the thing that they're pissed off about uh, is that they're critical of state run TV. But it reminded me of that just because it's like, this shit is now just being done out in the open. It's just like the racist guy is going to take over Twitter and like start and like let the Nazis back on. And like, there's not the, it's not a thing where like there's an appeal to authority. It's just a, we're like hoping that it doesn't happen by some like stroke of luck at this point. Yeah. Or you're counting on, we hope a billionaire knows better. Right. Oh, I don't, we'll see about that. I think the only thing that could potentially act as a safeguard is that the EU has pretty forcefully said, like, if there's not real moderation here, like we won't, we're not going to fuck with it in the EU. Like we'll ban it. Um, So that's one potential thing. I mean, there are these like little things where it's like, yeah, you can't just go foot off the fucking break and see what happens. I mean, you can, but it's sure it's certainly not going to help like, Twitter as a company. So that's why I think there's so many dimensions to it. It's like, do you really not give a fuck? You ready to eat $44 billion? Like to just like to fully go into your absolutist like version of free speech and see where that experiment goes. Or is this, is it going to be more long-term? You're going to try and pick people off slowly and turn up the heat on Twitter and sanitize it of all like the leftists or people who are like advocating for equality. And like, that's the plan. I I think that's it. I mean, I, Something that I've really thought a lot about this week is why Twitter, why Twitter, even before Elon Musk, why was Twitter this hotbed of sort of quote unquote culture wars and all of that? And I think Mm -hmm. it's not a coincidence that all of this has really imploded around Twitter. I think that uh, extremists, uh, people people on the far right, they have watched people who traditionally are marginalized and don't have a lot of institutional power or support use platforms like Twitter to build movements and to democratize our ability to have a platform and a voice. We've built things like Me Too, uh, um, Black Lives Matter, using these platforms, right? We've been able to really like use them to, to, Built to get some more power and to sort of be part of the conversation in ways that we've always been traditionally locked out of. And I think mm-hmm. that they see this medium as something they need to take back. I think, that they, I think that they find that very threatening to watch people who traditionally did not have a lot of power or a lot of voice use these platforms to, to take back that power and that voice. And I think that this is part and parcel of a plan to make that harder, to make it, to, to, to go back to a time where we didn't really have those kinds of voices or those kind of platforms, even if we built them ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, a very good point and probably absolutely true. If not, like, if it's not on a fucking flowchart in Elon Musk's office, it's definitely like somewhere in his brain, you know, like that that's something that scares him and makes him uncomfortable. Well, yeah, and because I think the source of a lot of headaches for him can, you can draw a line to Twitter. Yeah. Or like these, or or things are discussed very energetically on Twitter, uh, and I think again, like you're saying, Bridget, that is is freaky if you're like a you know point one percenter and you look out your window and Twitter's outside and you're like, damn, like they they're able to get together real fucking quick on <laughs> shit over there, like that's mm-hmm. not good for you know my ghastly aims, but 
yeah, I, it, I think that's where we see it's like, what version is it? Is it this, is it completely uh, like aggressive? And, you know, from day one, the floodgates open. Is it this version where it's stealthily trying to make it look like, no, 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 Twitter's not changing. And it is. And it's much more, you know, uh, insidious and, you know, with a smile on its face. But yeah, I, I, it, it, the, the other part of it, there's just so many of these other dimensions, like how the EU would respond, like how China, like he has so much, so much business in China and they don't like Twitter. What happens then when they see how like other people use it? There are so many other dimensions to it. I'm just so curious to know, like to begin to really see it come together, but all of these things are possible and they're all real risks. Yeah. I've heard the metaphor before that like, you don't notice that things are getting worse because it's like a pot and a, or a frog and a pot of water that's like slowly getting hotter. And like, these are the moments where it like really hits me like, Oh yeah, this is, this is getting much hotter. It's it's like uncomfortably unhealthily hot right now for, and if uh, that's the case, I mean, then it's really incumbent on people who are using Twitter for good things or like not shit posting and being racist to, you know, maybe use the little time we have left on Twitter to organize a way to figure out like how to keep something like this alive. Um, because it is powerful. I mean, like most people really do use it for news. You know, not everyone is using Twitter to, to communicate. Like a lot of people really like Twitter because they're like, I can, man, I can just look up a city and just see what's going off because people are talking about it. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's, I don't know what early, it's early days, but it's there. The sky looks dark. I'd feel better about the EU ban, but you know, they tried that with Mountain Dew and it only made Mountain Dew stronger, you know? <laughs> oh my god <laughs> couldn't stop me if you strike me down i will <laughs> even more powerful um all right let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about that uh russia story you like to watch new stuff right Zygang? i know i do well go to hulu and see what's new because hulu has new stuff all the time like vanderpump villa the new docudrama starring lisa vanderpump Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course. And season five promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. Um, yeah, so like I said, I was I was just tying a, a line between the Elon Musk and this uh, Russia frame-up because I do feel like a lot of this sensibility um, of... Yeah, we don't have to like try to be convincing in our lie. We just like say the lie and then stick with it. And yeah, it doesn't matter. Like kind of started in, in Russia and like first, you know, uh, Trump, Trump obviously was like the number one proprietor in America of it. But, um, this one, I mean, we've people been, people been doing this one for, for a while. I'd say, you know, the, don't worry, man, it's calling weapons of mass destruction, man. Fucking they're, we're good. Yeah. Yeah, Yellow cake, man. Ton of it. (laughs) But eventually they were like, we didn't find any, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, fuck. Yeah, so Russia's Federal Security Service, FSB, arrested a group of six Russian, uh, what they're claiming are neo-Nazis, who are plotting to assassinate a Russian state TV talk show host. Um, And yeah, things just like seemed really fishy right off the bat, starting with the fact that uh, the supposed target of of their uh, plot was this um, state, Russian state TV, like, you know, host presenter person uh who uh has said has praised hitler as a very brave man and even produced an admiring documentary about mussolini so yeah what um because you know that's we we always just like stick photos to our computer speakers um they uh also had three copies of the game of the sims um and be, and people were like, well, what the fuck is that doing there? That's so weird. It's like three, right. three <laughs> like discs <laughs> of The Sims. Why not a portrait like, of a portrait of Hitler, swastika T, Mein Kampf, and three copies of The Sims expansion packs. <laughs> so oh, the working these are Nazi theory, hitmen. The working theory is that someone, uh, you know, did fabricate this evidence. And were told uh, they were told to get three Sims, as in three Sims cards, and Sim cards, and they fucking 
missed the uh, subtlety. Oh my god! And when when the investigative committee of the Russian Federation later posted a video uh, of the raid, they had blurred out the the Sims. Um, to, <laughs> yeah, because it's it's like so. It really does. Like it's like the commander wasn't there, right? He's texting everybody. Look, get get a swastika T-shirt, get some like SS patches, put up a picture of Hitler, the three Sims, do all that. You know, make it look real you shady, know, Nazi shit, right? And then he just goes and like takes a picture, and the guy's like, "Mother," he's like, "What the fuck is that? What what are those three games on the bed?" And he's like, three Sims." <laughs> fuck like because it really doesn't like it's put out there as if it's like you have to take a picture of this this is relevant to the case you know what right, i mean it's like he right. took it's like he said and they had five soup ladles you know right. what i mean like that's not relevant it's in the house but why put that shit there it's clear that the person's directive was take all the pictures including the three sims to uh just for for who? For what? To, again, I think this is all, like you're saying, the low energy effort to just say, you see, there's neo-Nazis in Ukraine and they're coming after people in Russia. And that's right. what all of this is about. That's why we're there. Because we put out a, a swastika t-shirt, a really loosely taped photo of Hitler to a Bluetooth speaker and three copies of The Sims. Um, and then the target quote uh of the of the attack who's just like their wolf blitzer like some you know tv person except if people still like watched cnn but uh he went on tv and claimed the plot was all hatched by Zelensky um because Zelensky wanted to be a presenter on their <laughs> state-run channel oh, uh, but wasn't talented enough uh, that, we're doing the old Donald Trump thing. Yeah, they're haters. He's, you should have seen it. They were begging me for a job, and then I said no. So that's why they lied now. Okay, um, that's. I mean, so that's that's pretty pretty questionable uh, child logic at, at work. There, it would seem. Um, Poor guy. Like, uh, who bought the so Sims. like he was doing it because he hates me, and uh, right. He's like he he actually is on the record saying he wished he was as handsome as me. So, um, those are the yeah, facts. I have some t- I have some texts where he's like asking me for pointers like on how to look like me, but I like I was like I was like seriously, dude, we're like in a war. Like I can't do this right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, tough times, tough times. Um, all right. I, d- I just wanted to continue complaining about NPR um, <laughs> for for because we, we didn't get all the way through the story. Uh, Super producer Trisha did a bunch of really good research uh, along with Super producer Becca on just like, um, you know, where, where this. So, Bridget, it, like basically my point is like I listened to NPR for the first time in a year and just found the tone which is, I don't think it's changed, but it just feels insane to me. Like it feels very like gentle, but like they're talking about like gentle mixed with like bored and whatever. And so then like the Russians came in and, you know, they're reporting on war crimes, but they're doing it in like a way that's like, just feels so strange and basically feels like if we if we were all hearing it again for the first time we would all be like what the fuck is happening right Right. now um so we talked about that and like some psychoanalysis on like neoliberals like why this might be 
might be happening, might be necessary for them right now. Um, you know, super producer Trisha like did a deep dive into like sort of the history of just basically what I've heard described as like TV English. Um, but it's like sort of the, um, accent list is mm. how it's often described English that people speak with on, um, TV, but then, you know, say calling something accentless, just, uh, you know, positioned yourself as thinking that, uh, a certain accent, a certain way of speaking American English doesn't have an accent. Basically. Um, the, presumed audience is an English monolingual speaker. Um, and when the voice and language of the speaker, this is, I'm just going to read directly from what Trisha wrote. When the voice and language of the speaker is intended to not make the listener uncomfortable, the placidity of the NPR voice also feeds into this. Like the rest of the media, they want listeners to feel a certain amount of fear, which will push them to keep listening and not uh, and not be too uncomfortable or panic that will make them feel like they're also experiencing the crisis. Um, so they, you know, they choose to speak like a group of people who aren't affected by the crises. Uh, they are, but they still like want to talk about it. And the accent emulates people who like don't suffer the human rights crises that and wars and disasters that NPR reports on. And like she found examples of people uh, who were prohibited from, or just like their story wasn't accepted to on NPR because they were uh, d- told that they speak too much with too much of an accent. Um, hear that a lot. A lot of people hear that a lot. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, on some level, you know, it's like, yeah, no, what, what is that voice exactly? I don't know if it's, I mean, at this point it, it, it feels like this thing where it naturally evolved, right? Where I, I get that there's this, you know, like in the radio announcer days, people all spoke like this and we're like, right. what the fuck is that? And yeah. then we slowly got into something a little less like, uh, you know, good evening, brother. Here's the weather for today. I sound like David Lynch doing the fucking weather on KCRW. <laughs> um, but you know, even now it's like, then we had this, like, I think really coming in and like the, out of the eighties and into the nineties, like the real NPR voice that I feel like, like as a kid, I was like, Oh wow. It's the nice talk radio or whatever. That's less animated. And it's, it's weird. Like, I'm not sure if they even know they're doing it. Yeah. You I know, don't like, know if they do either. I, and I know that they do on some level because it's part of the aesthetic, but mm-hmm. if it's like about to say like, so to the point, it's like, we have to speak like this in order to get people to fucking tune in. I think it, it, it's sort of, it's just a, a, a function of, you know, the, that way of looking at things. Yeah. I think it, I think it's interesting, not, not necessarily as like a critique of NPR, or like going in and we're going to catch them being like, you have to talk to them like children because <laughs> like, they, you know, and even if we, they are saying that, like that's, um, I think it's interesting about what it reveals about the listeners of NPR more than anything. Yeah, I think that the listeners of NPR, I mean, if you're if you're like on the left and you're where you're getting your audio news and commentary is NPR, I do feel like that probably suggests that you're a certain kind of person because there's so many different places to get, you know, news and commentary in the audio format. If you're if you're if you're sticking with NPR, I feel like perhaps, you know, you're looking for a certain kind of tone, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um it's so funny that we're talking about this. When I first started working as a podcaster and an, and an audio, 
I thought that I had to do that voice to be taken seriously. When I go back and listen to the early days of me on podcasts, I can tell that I'm sort of, I'm doing my NPR voice. You know, it's very monotone. You would think that I am talking about things happening in a country where I have never even visited, as opposed to my own country. I'm talking about things that I have no real opinion on. Here's just some very gently delivered information about what could be happening somewhere, hypothetically. So I think that there was a time where NPR, and I, yeah, no shade to NPR, but there was a time where I think that they really were influential in how other people did radio and did audio and did podcasting, I I will say. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. I I think that's something, you know, when... Super producer Anna and I were like first starting the LA uh, How Stuff Works offices. Like we talked about, like we wanted to steer away from the NPR aesthetic because it w- was so pervasive. Like it was just like so. That's what people thought podcasts sounded like for for a long time, right? Um, but that's so interesting describing it as like you. Even though you were describing America, you felt pressure to like describe it like it was a country where you'd never been because that really like, that was kind of what we had landed on yesterday is that like by doing this and like adding this tone of, um, uh, of like remove, like I I keep saying it's like, feels like they're on Xanax (laughs) because they like feel like they're like removed from the anxiety, uh, that, you know, the rest of the, that they're talking about, like an anxious, an anxiety provoking situation. Uh, they're describing it like with the humanity and the emotion removed from it. And it's, yeah, it just feels like that has to be at some level, a conscious decision, um, that they're like, uh, perpetuating because they just have seen it work. And I think they see it work so well because, there, the NPR listener wants wants to have be told about the story, like be told about the problem, but then like not feel bad about it. No, like you don't. Trisha you can't saying. confront. You can't confront the actual yeah. uh, uncomfortableness of the story. That's all mm-hmm. it is. It's yeah. it's to t- it's to tell you enough about the story without informing you enough that you can actually begin to empathize. Really, I think that's what it is. It 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 really dulls your ability to connect with the people that are even being talked about in the story. Like even that one where the woman was talking about she was fleeing like artillery, like shelling from Russians and she fled to her basement and was like, "Well, thank God she had a little bit of food, but it's just done as like like we were saying." And you know, we're hearing her, you can hear in her voice. She's like she, you can tell, I don't speak Ukrainian, but you can tell this person isn't speaking calmly about the situation yeah. they were in. But the the translator's voice is, and it, not that it has to be an acted out version, but it comes in more like, thank God I had potatoes and some extra oil in the house. And also I had a cow, so I was able to get milk. Miles, and you're like, that was electrifying compared to the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to the translator. <laughs> but like... And even like, you know, you go on NPR's page right now, there's there's stuff where there's a headline that says, why this economy may be sturdier than it looks. Right. And I say, okay, maybe this has something to do with the lived experience of people who are working in the, like, as part of the economy, and maybe there's some good news. All it's about is GDP and shit. The word wage only shows yeah. up once, and it's not even, and it's like, it's it's a quote about someone talking about, like, 
She also increased her prices to offset rising costs of cotton, polyester, and spandex, as well as higher wages for her employees. Right. So now the empathy isn't about there's no there's no need to feel bad about anyone in this story or right. even to tell people like in this version, the word wages is mentioned in the context of like, man, people, poor people ask for too much money, huh? Yeah. Not yeah. despite this, the lived experience of your neighbors might be completely different to some of these headlines about the economy. And I think that's where it, Cause that's the uncomfortable part. If you're going to talk about the economy, like, is it going to be a real thing of like, we spoke to working parents, single parents, people who live here, people who live there about what just what, even though we're seeing this economy stuff, what's it like for them? And even if, when, when you get pieces like that, are we going to get the, like, is it going to get to the point where someone would listen to it and then be outraged? Right. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, I have to mention, we are seeing this interesting moment where, NPR seems to be kind of hemorrhaging young talent of color, like young audio talent. And Mm -hmm. I have to wonder if there's something related there that, you know, people want, I feel like people get into audio journalism because there's an intimacy to to the storytelling. You can hear, you know, listening to that Ukrainian woman tell her story. Even if you don't speak the language, you can hear it in Mm -hmm. her voice. And I think that's what, that's what draws people to audio storytelling in the first place. And I think if you're someplace where the entire vibe is not reflecting that humanity, that intimacy, that authenticity, and that like truth through audio, it does seem to be like a little bit of a disconnect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like we were, uh, you know, I I was saying yesterday, like you can mint a Bitcoin with the amount of like mental work and like pretzeling of themselves that is required to achieve the cognitive dissonance required to still be on board with like the mainstream media and like DNC uh, sort of narratives where like check on the GDP every month because that's the thing that matters. And we just like care about GDP and stuff like that. And I just think that's, that's coming out in, in this weird way. Uh, and then I also wanted to talk about, so JM, our writer from Canada uh, says the same thing is happening uh, on the CBC and has always been happening on the CBC. Um, but he has an alternate explanation that they like found out about, uh, uh, HSMR or ASMR <laughs> and are, are like, because they like keep doing stories about it. Like they've done a lot of stories about ASMR and like, it does seem to be his theory is they're like ramping it up because they were like, Oh yeah. Like this, this makes people feel good. Oh yeah. Morning, is- com- morning becomes eclectic on KCRW. I'm like, I feel like I'm in the middle of yawning the whole time I'm listening to it. Right. Like the music's great, but like they're like Melvina, what's going on this weekend? They're like, well, actually, at the Getty, there's going to be a fantastic uh, display of West African art, and you're like, uh, 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 uh. Yeah. it's not, it, it's, I get it, it's, it's soothing, but I, I do find myself, you know, in a trance to hearing it, but not even that I'm he- like listening. It's like, oh, this is very like the, it's that, that monotone that really, I don't know, it gets you. Do you all remember that Saturday Night Live bit? Um, the delicious dish. Delicious dish. Sweaty <laughs> <Yes>. balls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing is that I don't know if at that time, like they, it was, some of their shows spoke like this and it was the ones about like 
you know, wine and leaves and like foliage and shit. And then they had more, a more appropriate tone, like when talking about news and war crimes. But now the whole thing is, it's like listening to those characters do the news about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's very weird. It's very strange. Well, you know, again, I think the the effective thing about you know uh, neoliberalism and, and uh, these news things that are that are helping people kind of stay in this place is that it helps people not stay in a place of comfort and not really want to do anything radical or 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 have the mindset that there's a need for radical change. That's for sure. And I think it's the same thing. Like even with the uprisings, right? You, we barely heard people in the, from that were in the streets talking on TV, if right. ever. Right. And if it was, they're like, find the angriest motherfucker you can find and put them on TV. Don't don't get the people who are really there trying to say something. And we'd always be like, why are they never talking to the people that are in the streets? It's always like somebody from like 50 feet away, 100 feet away. I'm like, and now that you can see they're gathering over here now mm-hmm. and blah, 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 like doing it like they're calling a fucking horse race or some shit. But are the, we're not you're not doing us the service of hearing the people who decided to enter physical space why they are there. Right. Really. Rather than your commentary from a hundred thousand feet away and speculating and then basing, you know, being able to shape the entire narrative from there rather than hearing it from people's mouth. Well, I think that goes back to who is listening. I mean, as I said earlier, I think if you're in 2022, if you're getting your commentary and your news and your news from NPR, I think that you're not looking for anything radical. I think that you're not looking to be moved into action or feeling discomfort or feeling bad or feeling complicit, you know, heaven forbid. I think that Uh if you're not, and not again, not to disparage NPR listeners, I listen to some of their programming. My parents, I I grew up on public radio, you know, not to disparage them, but I think that what you're describing is perhaps not someone who is looking for that kind of, you know, those kinds of feelings from their, their commentary or their news. They're not looking to feel engaged in that way. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, uh, Zeitgang, if you, if you, uh, feel the same way, if you hear like an NPR clip that is particularly egregious, hit me up. I'm, I'm going to keep thinking about this and I'd, I'd love to, you know, get, get more evidence, uh, or, you know, more, more thoughts on it. So, so hit me up. You know Um, what? Maybe Jack, we might have to do an episode in that voice just to see how the audience responds. And we'll say, um, hello, the internet. Hello, the internet. Welcome to another episode of uh, Der Daily Zeitgeist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're actually quite good at that for somebody who dislikes it so much. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bridget, it's been such a pleasure having you on uh, the Daily Zeitgeist. Uh, where can people find you, follow you, hear you, all that good stuff? Well, I would be so honored and so pleased if folks checked out my podcast on this very network. There are no girls on the internet. We've been talking about Elon Musk this week, so uh, please check it out. You can find me on Twitter at Bridget Marie, and uh, you can find me on Instagram at Bridget Marie in D.C. Yeah, yep. And is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? Oh, yes. This tweet from Brittany Van Horn. If we want to, if we want to raise the money to buy Twitter back and put it in the hands of the people, we're going to have to put on the greatest talent show this town's yeah. ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. So good. Um, Hell yeah. Miles, where can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying? 
Uh, man, you can find me on Twitter and uh, Instagram at Miles of Gray. Also, the other pod for Twenty Day Fiance. Also, the basketball podcast. Miles and Jack got mad boosties. Uh, check the damn that out. Truth. We're, we look. We're just we're just speaking. We're just loving the loving the game of basketball. No hateration. Yeah, yeah. No hateration. Um, it's been very refreshing to have a place where I can go and just be excited about. John Morant and uh, my team, the 76ers, and not have to deal with um, Bill Simmons talking about like how <laughs> this guy's got no ho- hoops IQ. Um, and oh, fuck that guy. What did he say? Fuck Jalen Green? Uh, fuck Jalen Green. Jaylen cool, man. Come, come. Okay. Okay. Um, anyways, um, it's a great show. Go check it out. Go check it out. You know, get in or get out. But you know what? The bus is taking off and we love to have you with us. Okay. A tweet that I like. First one from at not funny L tweeted my mother staring down at my open casket. <laughs> is that what you're wearing? Uh, <laughs> and comb at win W Y N N E tweeted incense looks like skinny corn dog. <laughs> and I like that. It does. It does. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it looks like the stick is like batter dipped. Why the fuck does it look like that? That's oh so weird. God, that's it's the same God. technology. We take a stick, we gotta dip it, we gotta dip it. Uh anyway, shout out to you. It does look like skinny corn dog. <laughs> skinny corn dog. <laughs> Incense looks like skinny corn dog. It's the I think it's the bad grammar that also makes this tweet oh, yeah. so memorable for me. Um, oh, and then one more I think was just a, a good idea at clumsy ALU uh, tweeted instead of leaving Twitter we should all block Elon Musk. Mm. Oh, but I don't know if that'll help. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that would be a significant uh, thing. I did lose a bunch of followers over the past couple of days uh, who are principled people who have decided to leave Twitter. But please come back. I miss you. Um, that's true. That's how I. Actually I got feel. no. I got lost all my followers. I think they were, they were all bots. Yeah, yeah, you went that down my to mom one paid follower. For. It was crazy to see. Yeah, my one follower, my mom. Shout out to you, mom. I appreciate you buying those bots. You're a good mom. Get me those. Get me to 10k. Um, a 24 year old virgin tweeted, uh, "Women be dating men that are nimble and then act all surprised when he jumps over a candlestick." Um, <laughs> <laughs> Is that about you, Jack? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, guilty as charged. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, uh, Will at fuck Mary Will, uh, tweeted, it finally happened. My photos app generated the saddest video possible. And it's like, you know how your photo app will like just set, set something up for you, do a little surprise. Uh, and it says tasty bites over the years. And it's like all these pictures of the most depressing meals that I think he had taken pictures of in the first place because they were so depressing looking. Like it's like a kid's meal of like, uh, macaroni and cheese and stuff. And it's like set to this weird classical piece of music. Um, so (laughs) I don't know. It's worth watching. It, It really resonated with me because those, um, the, those like algorithmically generated photo slideshows always very strange um, yeah first ballot podcast set the John Morant dunk uh, in extreme slow motion to uh, stretch my hands uh, part one and it's the perfect treatment of that so highly recommend that uh, and then ordinary at ordinary also tweeted brain cactus me okay brain touch it me but it's sharp brain I know but how sharp 
Um, and that is <laughs> that is the exact dialogue that goes on yep. every time I see a cactus. Um, oh yeah, cannot stop myself. Always surprised. Um, so you can find me liking tweets like that on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at the Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website dailyzeitgeist.com where we post our episodes and our footnotes where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode as well as a song that we think you might enjoy miles what song do we think people might enjoy oh um well this is going to be a great track from the artist lucy uh really new 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 single called almost blue uh the vocal chopped samples on here with a with a really nice familiar uh sort of pop r&b instrumental bed will probably bring all of your neighbors to your yard because they're going to think there's some kind of cookout happening or maybe (laughs) some other kind of event so slap this one bump this in your civic this is lucy with almost blue there you go um all right well the daily zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite shows that's going to do it for us this morning uh, but we're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending and we'll talk to y'all then bye bye zeit gang you like to watch new stuff right i mean who doesn't i do well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.